Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Edolf. I want to thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to go back and pick up on some sermons that I've uh, given in the past. And uh, this particular sermon was given for the Torah portion of Tetzaveh, namely the Torah portion that falls during the week of Purim. If you uh, have a comment, a question, I would love to hear from you. You can always call me at 610-624-3441 or you can always email me at rav, as in Victor, jim at aol.com. It was last year, just after returning from Israel, that I began to feel like something was wrong. I remembered clearly during my Israel year in rabbinical school that my Hebrew had made it. It was not that I could understand everything that someone said or that Hebrew literature was now easy in a cinch. What I had achieved was the ability to listen passively to a conversation, to eavesdrop, to overhear an exchange and know exactly or near exactly what had transpired between two people in a conversation. In February 2009, it became apparent that this ability was gone, and I was determined to do something about it. What to do was another matter. It was not as if I could take a six-month leave of absence to enhance my Hebrew. I thought about a class, but that too was probably a time commitment that I would struggle at best to fulfill. Finally, I went in search of a Hebrew podcast, and lo and behold, I found one. The first, the first lesson was about going to a Purim party. As I listened to the lesson, I was reminded of a few words, but one was particularly new to me, and yet familiar. The word tachpasot, the Hebrew word for costume. When I heard the word, I thought it sounded familiar. I went looking for the root of the word and found that it was the same root of the Hebrew word to search, lechapes. Listening with my rabbinic ear, I began to wonder why the Hebrew word for costume would also be found in the Hebrew word for searching. What is it about the way that someone would dress that would involve a search? Well, let us jump to the Torah portion. For in its text, we also have a search and a costume, or at least a uniform. The Torah portion, Titzaveh, has one overriding theme, the garments of the high priest. The dress of this individual who is central to the sacrificial cult is meticulously detailed in the parashah. It seems that the dress of the high priest is as detailed as the construction of the tabernacle. What is of particular interest is that this person has to make a statement with his clothes. He has to define himself. And his dress, in conjunction with the construction of the tabernacle, demonstrates a search for what God and religion mean within the camp of the Israelites. The clothes, the place where they are worn, the tach pasot, are a chipus, a search for identity. 
When we put on our costumes for porn, we also search for who and what we might be, or do we? I admit many who struggle with porn. It's not the drinking or the story of porn, and the story is not one that ends with peace, love, peace and love in the world. Rather, there are times when the search for who we might be is clouded by the dress, the appearance of how we think we appear to the world. Imagine how people think they are supposed to appear to the world, and we have to admit that we have the ability to search, lechapace, for who we are supposed to be, or do we? Then there are those who have donned their tachbasot, their costumes, their dress, and their appearance to themselves, and then they end up missing how others might see them in the world. Let's return to something that happened a couple of years ago. There are 24 count them, 24 non-stop flights from Detroit to Washington, D.C. This was the start of a story that appeared in the Washington Post on November 20th, 2008. It was the start of an article that went on to report that each executive of our nation's largest auto companies flew on their private corporate jets as they went to Congress hat in hand to request a bailout. Now, compare this to the appearance of the current CEO of Toyota, Mr. Akio Toyoda, who went to a congressional hearing, and at least at that particular time, maybe even to this day, at least for Mr. Toyoda, I saw some differences. For the first was that there was no presumption on the part of Mr. Toyoda, who could have stayed in Japan, yet he decided it was more important to make an appearance before our lawmakers. Also, there was a distinct message from Mr. Toyoda that stood in opposition to that of the American CEOs in that he came to share the message of the search for what was wrong with the cars his company produces. There was a careful dance between asserting an aspiration for quality, the understanding that he, like many, sought answers. He he searched for answers to problems that plagued owners of his company's products. He clearly set forth his search, his desire, the desire to search for what would return the image of his company, his tachpasot. Because once upon a time, Toyota was known for quality and reliability. Well, there are many who are worried at this point about this problem, the message that I took from the CEO's congressional appearance at that time uh, was that the search was paramount. This stands in contrast to those who took their private jets when they might have caught one of those 24 non-stop flights. When confronted with their failings, our American CEOs had a much different reaction. There was not so much of a search for what they needed to do. Rather, they wanted to proclaim that their costumes, their marketing, Their presentations were what really mattered. From that Washington Post article, it was a display of stone-cold tone deafness by the American automaker chiefs in their telling. They have no responsibility for the auto industry's current mess, threatening the nation with economic Armageddon if they are not given government aid. They spent much of the session declaring what a fine job they've been doing in Detroit. Quote, 
Chrysler really is the quintessential American car company, unquote, Chrysler's Nardelli boasted. Quote, we have products that are winning car and truck of the year regularly, unquote, General Motors Wagner proclaimed. Quote, we are better, we are equal or to or better than Honda and Toyota, unquote, Ford's Malawi said. Quote, every new vehicle that we make, whether it's small, medium, or large, is the best in fuel efficiency. The given is safety, and we have more at Ford, more five-star quality and safety ratings than any other automobile, unquote. Chairman Barney Frank, Democrat Massachusetts, cut him off. Thank you, Mr. And the best value, Malawi blurted out. Commercials can go later, the chairman proposed. Understanding who we are and being aware of the images, the masks that we project, is a challenge for many people. Our difficulty comes when we encounter the unmasking of a reality because we really did believe the mask or the illusion of the reality. In some instances, this is the stuff of comedy, like in the famous Who's on First by Abbott and Costello. Yet there are times when tragedy strikes, when we have sought to pretend that one relationship exists and another invades. It was tragic this week when a trainer of the killer whales was first attacked and then drowned by her six-ton animal. Now, people are searching for causes, and there was an FBI investigation into this horrible event. They're investigating, but let's start with our first mask that we need to acknowledge as a society. We have grown to enjoy people who play with killer whales. Please note the name of the animal, that the name of the animal is a killer whale. Let's take it a step or two further and recognize that documentaries refer to these animals as the wolves of the seas. We have allowed ourselves to believe that these animals don't continue to have their natural instincts unless we are surprised by the events of this week. We search to understand the tragedy, yet part of this has been in front of our eyes contained within the names of these animals. Now a true story. When I was a kid, we went to the beach every Sunday after religious school weather permitting. On one occasion, we looked out and there was a school of dolphins swimming parallel to the shore, and one person had gone out to swim with them. He returned, barely making it back to shore holding his ribcage as he emerged from the waves. He told us that the dolphins wanted to play with him, but these 350-pound creatures played a little too rough and got him right in the gut. Now, between you and me, if it had been a school of killer whales, I don't think anyone would have been trying to get out there to play with them. Why is it that we will enter, entertain, consider the illusion that an animal is any less dangerous because it swims in a huge aquarium? It is good for us to search for the identity that we strive to have, the person we seek to be. However, we are surrounded by examples where we know the image that one projects begins to be the image that they or we believe to be true. When this happens, the poor executives fly their private jets to beg for money. 
Tragic deaths occur because we, and perhaps even the person in the tank, believe in the myth of Shamu a little too much. It is only when the myth is shattered that we realize that perhaps we were hiding behind tachpasot, behind masks. That gave us comfort. It did not call us mechapes, to search, to search for real identity and real truth. Yet, Purim comes every year. It reminds us that we need to put on masks every once in a while, as long as we know that we're putting them on to discover who we are when we take the masks off. Cold tube, all the best. <laughs>